favorite podcast for movies, music, comics, and culture. I'm your host, Anthony. And I'm Matt. And Anthony forgot that we removed the music from the tagline. I did, I did, I did. <laughs> Getting a little bit of the old school entrance here. Right, I love it. Uh, just to, to make sure we're, we know what podcast you're listening to. That's right. And today's podcast is brought to you by... Well, really us, but uh, also we are celebrating Red Tank Brewery. That's right. This is the El Camino Excelente. Just got released. It is the Mexican lager uh, from Red Tank Brewing here in Red Bank, New Jersey. You guys get the pun. Um, those of you that follow know that I do trivia there every Wednesday night. Come see me. We just started our trivia league again. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we're pouring it into our Red Tank Brewing and Movies Milkshake IPA glasses. Which, which I have love. to say, these glasses are phenomenal. So great, because right? they are like a super slide of beer down your gullet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's like a big can. Yeah, it's a giant can and it just makes it uh, incredibly easy to drink. So and you end up drinking uh, a whole lot of them. And I have to tell you, this... Uh, this can art is one of my favorite can arts ever. Um, it's the uh, we'll, we'll post a picture of it, but it's um, a it's like two shades of green and orange and a red, just like stripes. Just the colors are so awesome. I absolutely love the can art on this. Red Tank has a lot of really cool can art, and I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and it, it has a very Tommy Bahama feel to it. Exactly, um, it's, that's a good it's, call. It's out. The, the El Camino Excelente. Um, yeah, really, really, really cool can design and, uh, it, d- despite its simplicity, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, hang on, I got to post a picture for the gram because Instagram drinks first. We all yeah. know that. Everybody knows that. Um, <laughs> well, today we are really excited to be able to kind of talk to you guys because there's been a lot that has been going on in nerd culture. And I think that really is going to be the whole point of today's podcast is not only the fact that is so many uh, of the biggest shows. Now, obviously, this has been going on for years, but a lot of the biggest shows um, and and movies that are coming out are all a part of nerd culture. But nerd culture has really become pop culture. So we're going to get a chance to talk a little bit about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So be careful for spoilers. Um, if you haven't seen it, you definitely want to hit pause. Come back to us once you've finished watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, because we're going to go into depth on that. Um, but really, this this episode is really a little bit more of a general conversation about just nerd culture it becoming pop culture in total right now, and and sort of what that means and where we're going to go from where we are right now. Yeah. So let's talk about let's let's yeah let's talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier first because um, this is. Just it, it was so good, and it was so different than um, than the show that came before it, WandaVision. Yes. Um, and I, I don't mean that in a negative way or even a positive way. It's just a fact. It's just yeah, a completely just different, different show. It's not yeah, not yeah. better, not worse. Just very, very different. Yeah, like WandaVision had you know we talked about it on a couple episodes ago. Just a, a lot of mystery, a lot of questions. Very like you know. High drama is not the right word, but it was very much more rooted in the characters than it was in the action. There wasn't a whole lot of action in WandaVision, which was, and it was great. It was, it was all perfect. But Falcon and Winter Soldier just goes back to that tried and true formula, if you will, of like comic book action, but it felt very much like Winter Soldier, the movie Winter Soldier, like very rooted in sort of reality in a sense with like 
uh, uh, diplomatic disputes, spycraft, and a lot of like, you know, mystery, but nowhere near as much. Like a lot of the shit was very telegraphed and we'll get into all that right now, but it was such like overall, absolutely loved it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, right? And I think that that's, that's really kind of one of the, the cool aspects about um, where the sort of the movie culture is right now because you get a very diverse sort of uh, amount of content, right? Where you're not putting all your eggs. It's not just a standard superhero movie, right? It's not just a standard superhero show. You're getting a chance to have very diverse stories. So if you go back to the 1960s and the 1970s, and and you look at the way that comic books were, that was the way that comic books were. All of a sudden, it wasn't just superhero stories you were having. You were having horror comic books. You were having, you know, these detective comic books, right? And you would have comic books that went into very different aspects of just life in general. And that's sort of the storytelling that we're getting right now in terms of our our visual medium. And it's it's really interesting to see how much movies have now become what comic books were yep. in the 60s and 70s. So let's, so let's talk about that. Before we do our, our spoilerific review of Falcon and Winter Soldier, I want to ask <laughs> you a question. Um, and I, I've thought a lot about this, so if you haven't thought about it, I'll go first. Sure. Um, there's a lot of MCU content coming out a lot in the next couple of years. And unlike what we've seen in the past, where it's where the overwhelming majority has been movies, now it's like 50-50 movies and TV shows. Um, and so far, we're two for two in the TV shows. Um, so I'm curious, are you more excited for the movies that are coming or the TV shows? And just to give the listeners an idea, movies that are coming out in the next couple of years are things like Black Widow, Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, uh, the next Guardians is coming out soon. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And then from a TV show perspective, we're talking MCU. Uh, From a TV TV show perspective, we have uh, Moon Knight is currently being filmed. Um, There's the the, uh, Wakanda Forever, or was Wakanda Forever the show or the movie? I can't remember. But Loki is coming out this year. Hawkeye is coming out this year. So I'm very curious, from an MCU perspective, are you more excited for the shows or the movies? Because I know know my answer. So, um, it's... it's hard not to say both. It's especially for mm-hmm. the fact that we have seen two shows that were incredible, right? And you wouldn't be able to do them because they were long form. You wouldn't be yep. able to do them in a two hour movie. Yep. The way that the story was told, the way that the, the, where you get, you go from start to finish, you can't do it in a two hour movie. So, and you really don't want to have, a regular movie that's going to be a lot longer than that. You don't want to have a Snyder cut to be the regular thing. <sighs> you you don't want to have Avengers Endgame right. to be the regular yeah, thing. Yeah, three and a half hour long movie. Right. right? You, yeah. you don't want to have to do that every single time you're going to see a superhero film. So you want to be able to get in and get out in sometimes an hour and 45 minutes yep. like Venom was. Yep. Right? So I, I think I'm, I'm excited for both I have to say, of everything that is is in the the planning phases and production phases right now, the number one thing, though, that I am most excited about is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which would be very, very strange uh, for myself because I'm not a Doctor Strange fan, right? That's very abnormal for me. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that character, um, despite how cool he is. A lot of people are. It's just personal preference on my part. Um, so for me to say that I'm really the most excited about 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I, I think is um, a really good indication that that Marvel and Disney are doing a lot of the right things. Yeah, I totally agree. And here's so for me, I am more excited for the TV shows than I am for the movies. And I'll tell you why. Um, because judging based on what we've seen on the first two MCU TV shows, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, it's like you said, where they're really digging their heels in on this long form storytelling, right? Yeah. And the reason why I'm more excited for the shows right now than the movies is not because I necessarily think the shows are going to be better, which, you know, like really like how do you define better in, in this sense? But for me, what Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision have done have really, really set up this side story type of thing and like the setup stuff, you know? So we talked before how uh, like we get annoyed when we watch a movie in the MCU sometimes and there's shit that is clearly thrown in there just for setup purposes. Probably like one of the most glaring examples is Thor's fever dream in the cave in Age of Ultron, right? Yes. When you watch the movie, yes. you're like, what the fuck is the point of this? It makes no sense in the context and, of the movie. And, it's so dumb. And it never even came back. And it never it, even it came never, back. Never but came it was only the there to introduce yeah. the concept of the Infinity Stones, which obviously pays off later yeah. on. But when you have the shows, you can take that need to do setup stuff that that you like because you have to do that. Um, and you don't need to make it feel awkward, right? So like WandaVision is, is a perfect example because it sets it, it, it tells this beautiful story about Wanda and Vision and like the family that she wants and how she's willing to go to these incredible lengths and really not concerned about who she's hurting in the process to get the life that she wants. But at the end of the day, when you think about the implications that the events of that show has on the MCU and you think about the Darkhold and the multiverse, like the implications are huge, just like Falcon and Winter Soldier, huge implications. So for me, I'm more excited for the shows now because I feel like the shows are going to give us all of this necessary yet awesome setup stuff, but fully fleshed out. So it's no longer just a, a 30 second bullshit scene that makes the movie weird because you're like, this has no purpose, but I, oh, I get what they're doing. You know, it's, it's, it's like taking an after credit scene and making it into a whole series. And like, so that's why I'm more excited for the shows and the movies. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really good point. And I think this is, this is that fine line. fucking chick's head off. Yo, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> in the, the background right now, we have on uh, Jupiter, uh, Jupiter's legacy. We'll, which, we'll get a review we'll, episode we'll, of yeah, this once we'll, we watch we'll the whole thing. Definitely get a, a chance to, uh, <laughs> to talk about this. Yeah. But yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is the fine line that a lot of the comic book groups are going to have to, you know, kind of walk right now is the fact that you you want people to be rewarded for watching all of the content, but you do not want to make it necessary to have to watch all of the content. And that's the hardest part. That is the absolute hardest part. And not only from like a show perspective, because now we're getting an overabundance, right? Whereas 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if you had even said that we were going to get a Iron Man movie, right. right? It would have been the biggest thing in the world, which it was yeah. when we did get it in 2008, right? Now it's you're you're more accustomed to it and you don't want to feel like you have to watch everything to understand what's going on. Cuz to your point earlier about Doctor Strange, there's definitely going to be people out there that are, are going to see a show like She-Hulk, for example, 
there's definitely going to be people that are like, oh, like, I've never read a She-Hulk comic. I don't care about the character, so I'm not yeah. going to watch the show. But at the same time, guarantee you some shit's going to go down in that show that's going to impact the broader MCU. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's really, this is going to be sort of the make or break moment for the, the comic book sort of movie culture yep. is going to be, okay, is it going to be oversaturated? Is it going to be something where now people feel like they have to watch everything in order to watch like, okay, I'm going to watch Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, right? And like, do I need to watch not only all of the shows, but do I need to watch every single movie? Like, because you really, in order to understand Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War, you didn't really need to watch... Thor The Dark World. Right. You really didn't need to watch, like, all of the different movies that were there. It helped. It made a lot of things make more sense if you did, but you don't want it to have to mean it. Right. And I think of what what they have done with both Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, as well as um, uh, WandaVision, is that they're telling backstory. Yep. They're giving depth to the characters without having it be necessary to understand or watch those in order to understand where the story is going. And this is the next phase of the experiment, right? You know, because like the MCU really was the the experiment of can we make a shared movie universe and make it work? And obviously the answer is yes, but yeah. they always, you know, shied away from making it completely interconnected with, you know, the Netflix shows, for example. You know, they, they give you enough in the Netflix shows so that you know it takes place in the MCU, but nothing in the movies that ha- – nothing that happens in the movies directly impacts Daredevil or Punisher or Luke Cage and vice versa, you know. The most you have ever gotten was some, you know, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in. I'm a, I'm a whore for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've talked about this before, you know. Yeah. But, like, again, even that was mostly – the movies impacting the show. The show really did not impact the movies at all, with the exception of the Darkhold, which was like a huge payoff, and obviously uh, Coulson and his team building the Helicarrier for Age of Ultron. But even that, you know, when Nick Fury shows up at the Helicarrier in Age of Ultron, your first question is not, where did he get a Helicarrier from? He's fucking Nick Fury. He, fu- he you know, he, he fucking built it, right? Exactly. But when you see that scene in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they've been teasing that Coulson was working on a secret project that nobody could know about, and then you find out in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that his secret project was building that Helicarrier, then you're like, oh, okay, it's fucking cool. But up until that point, uh, you know, up until WandaVision, nothing from a TV show perspective had really directly interfaced with the movie universe, like, in that way. And we're seeing, like I said, the next phase of the experience uh, experiment, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm definitely here for it. I'm, I'm really excited to see what else they have in store for us, right? How are they going to take this story and take it to the next level? Because I think that despite the fact that uh, Falcon Winter Soldier was a little bit more of a, a very straightforward, very, yeah. you know, superhero show, which I, I, I also found very refreshing. Yeah. You know, especially coming off of WandaVision. WandaVision was a little bit more abstract. It was a little bit more complex to both understand and, and really kind of get into that it wasn't. It, it's weird to say, but it wasn't for the mainstream comic book movie. You're fans. absolutely right. It wasn't. It, you know, yeah. it was. It was something that was very, very different. Whereas Falcon Winter Soldier gets back to that very standard, you know, yep. kind of action movie superhero movie format, and yet at the same time, there were some incredible 
incredible storytelling that was done. Yeah, so let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's let's get into the nitty gritty. There was like, some really really good stuff in in the show. Yeah, and like for for me, Falcon and Winter Soldier from the first episode. The first episode might be my favorite in the in the series because it just hits in such a different way. Like, and a lot of it I think is due to the cinematography. Like that one scene, especially where Bucky is talking with his therapist. I'm forgetting the character's name. Um, and they, you know, you find out that Bucky's doing his 12 step program and whatnot to go through. Right. And they have that cool flashback of him killing the the, the son of his friend. Um, you know, when he was the Winter Soldier being programmed by Hydra and whatnot. The cinematography of that episode, it, it made it feel like you were watching, you know, like a fucking Tom Clancy, like, high drama spy thriller type thing. Like, and it just, it was, again, very superhero. Like, you know you're watching a superhero show because of the action. But a lot of the cinematography and the dialogue and the acting was, like, very spot on. Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie and... Uh, uh, Sebastian Stan just doing like phenomenal jobs in those parts, and right right from the get go, you start to get the development of those characters that you didn't get in the movie. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and, and to touch on that, Anthony Mackie, I have been a fan of his for a long time. Yeah, uh, I think he has been a very underrated actor for a very long time. I think having this show and having him as the forefront. And being the main character in this show has really catapulted him and and demonstrated the talent that he has as an actor uh, to be able to lead a show. Right. And the, the, the other cool thing is, is that we're getting a chance to see what it's like for the also Rams. Right. So like all of the side characters, like now we're getting the shows that are developing the side characters. We're seeing what it's like from their perspective and from a storytelling aspect. I think that is absolutely remarkable and something that has never been done before. And it's wildly fascinating because you know that it is going to, it is going to intertwine. It is going to grow and you can see some of where they are kind of going with this. You, you, you have some ideas of where they're going, but I think that, just with the the whole the whole setup, starting out with Bucky trying to rebuild himself, right? Trying to rebuild his own Which credibility. I loved, loved. Yeah, with in, not only his credibility to other people, but his credibility in his own mind. Yep. Like he has to wake up and look at himself in the mirror. So they're taking this character and they're showing you how that character is going to get to the point where now that character can be a hero. Yeah, and even even just like the scene. Where he's sitting in the bar in the beginning, um, and he's talking to the uh, I don't know the bartender or whoever she was um, at the restaurant. He's kind of flirting with her, right? You know, Absolutely. and he and he makes like an old man joke. You know, it's like how old are you? And he's like 108 or whatever he said. And she's yeah. like, ah, oh, funny, funny. They know I'm actually like you know like it's yeah, like no, I'm, and I'm like actually oh like it was old. it was just so good. Like the yeah, the first episode like really got me locked into, and I absolutely loved how they started to go into the backstory of um, Falcon's character, you know, like showing him coming up or, or where he was from in Louisiana and the struggles that his family was having with like the family boat and the whole thing. And, and that's where it really started. My, one of my favorite things about it was that the there's an entire subplot throughout the entire series where they're talking about racism and in America 
without talking about racism in America. Because yeah. like when you see that stuff yeah. in a lot of material that's made today, they just fucking punch you in the face with it. And it's mm. so heavy-handed, and it takes away from everything else that you're watching. Yeah. Here, they, they, they pulled the book out of like the South Park page. Like, social commentary done in a way that doesn't make you feel like you're watching social commentary. And it was so well done. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, and of course, there were things that I thought were very fan service moments. So when um, when uh, Daniel Bruhl, uh, the Baron Zemo. Oh, I know what you're going to say. When, when he comes out and he pulls out the Baron Zemo mask. So this, okay. 100% fan service. It really didn't need to have it there. But did I enjoy it as a fan of the comics? Did I enjoy it as a fan of Baron Zemo? You know, like, yeah. Do I want to see that on screen? Do we, like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, we finally got a chance to see Baron Zemo, who, like, who's, like, one oh, of the coolest characters. Yeah, but he's, like, also, like, a B villain. Like, he's not, like, an A-line like an a well, line villain. It depends on what storyline you're reading. But, yeah, he, he fluctuates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But, no, I completely agree. That was one of the things, one of the few things I severely disliked about the show was the mask. And, again, like you said, I loved seeing it. Like, you actually got to see Baron Zemo, like, in full comic accurate costume. And the way costume, they did it was cool. And it looked great. But the fact that he just, like, he finds the mask in, like, the back of that car. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, and then he, he puts it on, kills a couple guys, and, you, and then you never see the mask again. And I'm like, yeah. so what? Like, it was it was very unlike Marvel to just do that without an explanation because there should have been – and I, I don't know what I would have wanted that story to be. I honestly don't, like his ancestor or something. But, like, the fact that they just don't explain it at all really irritated me. Like, it didn't obviously ruin the series for me, but it was just one of those things that's like I would I would have almost rather them – not do it because it like it adds a lot like you said from a fan service perspective but when when you have a company that's so focused on story and does story so well to just throw that fan service moment in there without any explanation because it's not the kind of fan service moment that you can just throw away you know it's not the same as when falcon shows up at the end as captain america and the guy goes who are you when he goes i'm captain america he just keeps on walking like that was great fan service and you yeah. didn't need an explanation yeah. but like I needed something more for the mask, and I was very mad I didn't get it. Yeah, I I, I liked it. I, I I liked seeing it. It would I have liked to have more explanation around it or more reason behind it? Sure. Is it what one line of dialogue? Yeah. My my ancestors were blah blah blah, and this is the mask that he wore. Like like anything, yeah, just anything, any fucking anything. thing. Because I loved how they went into his backstory a little bit when he was talking about like yeah. No, yeah, I'm rich as fuck. Like, you know, just because I was doing this shit, you know, back when you saw me in Civil War, doesn't mean I don't come from fucking royalty. Like, you know, it was so cool. Right. Like, <laughs> in Civil War, you really don't know a lot about yeah. his background. You just know that he's, he's like a mercenary. Upset. Yeah, you just know that he's upset that his wife died. Right, exactly. Right, in Sokovia. Right? So, and that's the reason that he hates the superheroes. Yeah. So, now we're actually getting background about it, where he wasn't just this guy. He's obviously not only somebody who was rich, but he was already... Like a supervillain, yeah. Like before Sokovia even happened, yeah. Right, and I think that that that's really some of the more interesting uh, aspects of the show. Um, you know, of course, the overabundance of super soldiers. You know, okay, if we can now get past that, if we can now not have them come back again, that right. would be great. See, I liked it, it for was, this, it but yeah, good. I don't want to see them anymore. I don't want to see them ever again. Because that was yeah, that was, was central good. to the plot, you know, like... Central to the plot, very important, really important with the whole U.S. agent uh, aspect, too. 
Um, but it, I don't want to see it again. No, I totally agree. So let's yeah. So let let's talk about U.S. Asian now because I was so excited that they went with the character of U.S. Agent as a you know quote unquote he wasn't the bad guy. But he right. was a sort of bad guy. Right. And the one thing that that like annoyed me about some of the critique of the show was that people said it's like, oh well his his redemption arc, you know, it happened too fast and it didn't make sense. And I'm sitting here saying it it's not a redemption arc because he didn't go like full bad guy. Just because he killed that one guy in a fit of rage because his partner just died, that doesn't make him a villain. Like he didn't do anything truly villainous. He to me if they continue to pull on the strings that they've set up with with John Walker's character, which Wyatt uh, Wyatt uh, Wyatt Russell, I was going to call him Wyatt or Wyatt, Ru- Wyatt Russell did a fantastic job in this role. Really um, did. If they continue to pull on these strings, he could be one of either depending on where they go, one of the best villains or one of the best antiheroes in the MCU. Period. Because like there were like the way they set him up, what I absolutely loved was that. You know, the first couple episodes he was talking about, like, you know, listen, I don't have the super soldier serum. I'm just like a regular guy, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's like, you know, I want to serve my country, but I don't necessarily want the fame. The scene, like, like I felt legitimately bad for him. And, like, that's what you want out of those characters. Like, when he gets his ass kicked by the Dolor, uh, by the Dora Milaje, and he's like, they weren't even super soldiers. Like, I felt, I was like, bro, I was like, I feel for you, man, because, like, you're supposed to be Captain America. And you just got your ass handed to you by some fucking also rants from Wakanda. Yeah. Like, you know, like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's and as soon, when they introduce him, and I guess it was, I don't know if it was the first episode or the second episode. Um, both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they introduce him right at the end of the episode, and you immediately don't like him. You immediately want to hate him. Immediately. immediately don't like him. There's nothing about him that you should not like. Yeah, and he even has that but stupid grin. You're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> don't like him and it is so subtle a brilliance absolutely from a a filmmaking perspective from a storytelling perspective i mean this is an absolute masterclass. that's what i'm saying that cinematography of the first episode how is it that everyone felt that way as soon as you see him you're like oh i don't like this guy immediately you know and it was wild it was wild but then like you said as the character becomes more fleshed out you sort of identify with him or you sort of feel for him, especially when he loses his best friend, right? And so you you start to see where these kind of people are coming from, right? Yeah. And when when US agent he makes his shield. So like that's one of the funniest so great. It's one of the funniest things about US agent in the comic books is cause his shield repeatedly breaks <laughs> almost like every big storyline every big fight that u.s agent gets in his shield is going to get destroyed <laughs> unlike captain americans where it, captain america's where it's made of vibranium this is just a who shield. knows what's made out of yeah. steel it's yeah. made of steel, steel yeah right so if you're gonna fight a superhero with a steel shield it's going to break and that was one of the cooler things that I, I absolutely love that they did. And again, even just that with his character, they really stuck with that character line of when he was making the shield, he had, you know, he put those medals 
um, from from Battlestar, you know, yes. like the, the the military medals, like as part of the shield. Yeah. And that scene in the last episode when he's like holding it down and he looks at it and he's like, no, no, this is my like, you know, and it's so great. Like, like everything, like he was my favorite character in the show. Like everything about him was great because every time you had him, like, you know, the first couple episodes, he's like legitimately trying to like, be friends with Falcon and Bucky. Like he's trying to like get them yeah. on board. He's like, he's like, Hey man, like I'm just out here. It's like, like, you know, they picked me for Captain America. Yeah. I wanted it. But like, you know, I want you guys to, I want, I want to be friends. I want you to be on this. And like, and Falcon and Bucky, like go fuck yourself, which is great. Yeah. And like, but like you, you see how all of that takes its toll on him and his relationship, even though like, you know, it's brief because it's only six episodes. His relationship with Battlestar is so good and it's so well thought out. It's so like when Battlestar dies and the way they killed him was so good because I love, I love when movies kill a, an important character and make a death important, but don't draw it out. Like yeah. he just got kicked too hard and had his neck snapped. And that was it. There was no like, you know, lying on the floor like, oh, tell Martha that I love her and blah, blah, yeah. blah. He yeah. just got his fucking neck broken. Done. Like you're, yeah. you're out of it. And yeah. you see right away Wyatt Russell was like, immediately starts to break down yeah, like as a whole he's thing affected by it. Dude, it was so good and the and blood on the shield when he kills that guy like he's just in a blind rage it was so fucking good and i like how they're adding a lot of of real world experiences so like when he kills that guy there's a crowd around them everybody's got their phones out so recording good. him so that's good. real life that's the way that it really would be yep. it's like everyone would be in a crowd Everyone would have their phones out. Everyone would be recording him. Within seconds, it would be up on social media. All of a sudden, it would be everywhere. Yeah. Right? So you, like, you 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 sort of get that realistic aspect to it, even though it's this really high-end sort of fantastic story that they're telling. Um, and, and so, like, I, yeah, and Wyatt Russell is just, he was just the 100% right choice for the yeah. character. Like, absolutely perfect. The, the 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 other thing that I want to talk about is the the comic accurate costumes, bro. Right? I so couldn't believe how all in they went on the costumes. Wyatt Russell's costume and and uh, Falcon's costume as Captain America were like spot on with the comic books. Like, I couldn't believe it was insane how good they looked and and how spot on they yeah, were. Yeah, because we've always talked about how. You know, a lot of stuff does not translate well directly from page to screen. And it's understandable right. so. And I really didn't think, like, even like even all the different iterations of Captain America's costume that we've seen throughout the MCU, it's been very heavily inspired by, but also, like, it makes you realize, okay, it's actually a little bit different. But Falcon, Captain America's costume especially, literally ripped from the pages of the comic books, completely identical down to every single last detail I was like i couldn't believe and it worked it worked it, it looked so good. fucking dope it, it worked it was cool and i loved i love the fact that and it was brought to my attention afterwards uh you know getting a chance to see some people do different analysis on on things like instagram and, and whatnot but the difference between uh, Wyatt Russell, U.S. agent, uh, John Walker, rather, as Captain America, and Steve Rogers as Captain America. Steve Rogers would always introduce himself as Steve, Steve Rogers. Rogers. yep. Whereas John Walker would always introduce himself as Captain America. Such a subtle awesomeness. So subtle, so unbelievably brilliant. And it, it goes back to the thing that a lot of people say, 
you do not want to be the next somebody. Yep. And it happens a lot in professional wrestling, right? Um, where you do not want to be the next Shawn Michaels. You do not want to be the next Triple H. You want to be the first whoever you are, right? You don't want to, you don't want to try and follow in someone else's legacy, right? You want to, you want to create your own legacy and stand on your own. And it was very obvious that John Walker was so enamored, so in love with the Captain America persona that he immediately tried to own the identity. And now, no, Steve Rogers is not Captain America. I am Captain America, right? But it's almost like John Walker didn't exist. Mm -hmm. It was just Captain America. And, oh man, it was just so... Such a brilliant story and so well done and great action. Like great action. Every action episode, they would yeah. throw you into it, but they would still have high value, both comedy and drama Yep, in the in the show. And I love the fact that they brought back uh, Sharon Carter yes. into, the, into the mix. Um, Which we'll, we'll get to some, some thoughts and theories about. No, her. let's talk about it right now. Go. Yeah. yeah so, I, I loved it. So Sharon Carter, right? Great character, love her, right? Love seeing her, right? We through all of the different episodes, uh, I was I was uh, kind of discussing, you know, where who is she? Is she is she the power broker, right? Which it seems seems to be, like she is, yeah. Well, now, but that's the question because is she the power broker? Right. Or, or she's is, just like the number two. Or is Julia Louise Dreyfus the power broker? Right. Right? Because it's obvious that it's one of those two. Now, especially at the end with the last line of dialogue that Sharon Carter had, my prediction is that Sharon Carter is a scroll. She is a scroll, and she she either has been for a long time, um, but certainly through the entire Falcon Winter Soldier, this version yeah. of Sharon Carter. She is she is definitely a scroll. So that's interesting because this is a theory I've been mulling over my head for a while. Um, because we know Secret Invasion is coming as a show, right? Mm-hmm. Now in the comic books, it was all scrolls. Now in the MCU as it exists today, having it just strictly be scrolls is a little problematic because we know from watching Far From Home that there's a lot of good guy scrolls out there that Nick Fury is is working with, right? There's a lot of good guy scrolls out there. We know that from from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm sorry, not Homecoming, uh, Far, Far From Home. Right. Um, so I still think they're going to go with the Skrulls. They'll probably just do like, you know, those warring factions of the Skrulls, which would be very comic accurate. Um, but one of the things this is, I think they're going to do, this is my prediction for how they're going to do this. Um, whether or not she's a Skrull or not, or how are they going to do it? They're going to play on the the five years in between the, the snap and the second snap, you know, when everybody comes back. And, that's when the scrolls were going to make their infiltration to say, oh, Earth is weak now because half of the fucking population. But I guess, you know, half of the scrolls are probably wiped out, too. But, you know, so I, I agree with you that I think it would be really I don't know if I, I don't know if Sharon Carter is a scroll, but I would say with a lot of certainty that one of the characters, one of the main characters could be barely like somebody from Falcon and Winter Soldier, like was a fucking scroll. And like yeah. they're like it, it, it's, I I cannot wait for 
the first episode of whatever TV series where you see a scroll for the first time because I want them when to you build, get that reveal. Bro, when you, I want when them to build to Secret Invasion. To yeah, a scroll. I yeah. want them to build to Secret Invasion over like six TV series and have it culminate in that. Like that That's, would be fucking dope. So that to me is the real next. So you've gotten the chance to do the big baddie, right? Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet. You you've built this story to this giant baddie. And and Thanos, right? You can't do that again. Which I mean, that's mainly what comic books do. There's yeah. you're always fighting the big yep. daddy. Hence yeah. all the other comic book movies. I think that the better storyline is to have more of the the intricate and the more gray area, and actually have it be an evil team, right? Where you have Avengers versus. Thunderbolts or Avengers versus Dark Avengers. Well, I was going to say right? there's a lot of Thunderbolts chatter happening right now because the people are looking at it and thinking like, okay, you've got Baron Zemo, you've got U.S. Agent, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, whatever the hell she's doing out there with um, Leviathan, like which would be super fucking awesome, which right? Would be amazing. You've got a lot of characters out there that could be potential Thunderbolts, right? And like – I think it would be really fucking dope if they did the Thunderbolts. Like personally, I think it'd be awesome. And it's it, it's it's a counterpunch to Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, it's I Marvel's think, version of Task Force X. And and you know, obviously, we want to stay focused on MCU. Um, but just a, a note on Suicide Squad. I think Suicide so good. Su- Suicide Squad is going to be the best DC movie put to screen. I, I want to say, period. I agree. Period. Close to period, but very, very much like in the last ten years. Yeah, it, it's like, it's going to be better than Batman versus Superman. It's going to be better than Man of Steel. Yeah, it's going to be better than than Birds of Prey and the first Suicide Squad movie. It's yeah. going to be. These are all low bars. You're saying right now. Well, and say say it'll be better than Shazam because yeah, that's be, like the bar for Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. Like, but that's the thing. Like, they they have a lot of room where they're going to grow. And Thunderbolts oh, yeah. is very similar to the Suicide Squad in the fact that it's a group of villains that they take, they put them into a team, and they say you have to fight for the government, or you have to fight for us. Or we'll fucking kill you. Right, or yeah. we'll kill you, yeah. right? And that's, the you know, justice like lightning, which is the Thunderbolts. Which is why I absolutely loved the, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you know, mm. cameo in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Her showing up, her mentioning, well, she doesn't actually mention it, but if you, if you know comic lore, uh, Val- Countess Valent- Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, you know, she's been S.H.I.E.L.D., she's been Hydra, but she's primarily been Leviathan. Now, whatever fucking organization they want to go with in the MCU, it honestly doesn't really matter. But to have her with U.S. Agent at the helm be the catalyst, like she'll be the fucking... Um, what is the the Suicide Squad uh, main? Oh, um, uh, why can't I think of her name? Yeah, the black woman. Uh, yeah, 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 fuck. Why can't I think Sorry. of her name? This is so bad. I should know this. But have her yes. be that Amanda Waller. Thank you, Sorry, Amanda, Amanda Waller. Waller. Have her be the Amanda Waller yes. of Thunderbolts. Like that would be so fucking dope because you have and like putting U.S. Agent at the helm of that, like a, a the most good guy of a bad guy crew. Like they could make that. So so well, but it has to be because I've heard a lot of chatter about like you know well what if they put Punisher on the Thunderbolts like no like it has to be straight up villains it cannot be these gray line you know uh, uh, anti hero types it has to be a full blown villain with a full blown 
really not villain at the helm. Like that's the way to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and villains, which very much like U.S. Agent, villains dressed up like heroes. Exactly. Right. All of a sudden, and that's you know the whole premise behind the Dark Avengers storyline in the comics, which is my favorite storyline in any comic book ever. Is is the Dark Avengers storyline when the Thunderbolts. Come in, they're the ones. So good. Which is so cool because in the comics, the Thunderbolts, the bad guys, are the ones that save everyone. Yep. And they save the world from the Skrull invasion. Yeah, during Secret Invasion. And then so they good. become the Avengers, right? They become the real Avengers. And then you have all of these villains that dress up like heroes. Right, where you have Dakin as Wolverine, you have Moonstone as Captain Marvel, yep. you have um, Norman Osborn, Green Goblin, as Iron Patriot, which they've already introduced an Iron Patriot armor and then unceremoniously took it away. Sorry, so unceremoniously. See, you, see, you see War Machine as Iron Patriot in Iron Man 3, and then he never has that ever again. Yep. So what happens to that armor? So if we got a chance to have that armor come back, right? And maybe it's Norman Osborn who takes over the Iron Patriot armor and now it makes it more com- you know, comic accurate and you can still have US Agent there. Man, I think that's just I mean that is just that's gold. Right? Yep, that's totally gold dust great. right there. So let's let's talk about the the last thing I want to talk about with Falcon and Winter Soldier and this was one of my favorite things. The the subplot with and this this when they introduced this, I think it was in the second episode, I, in a million years, never would have thought they would have gone with this never, subplot. Never, Isaiah Bradley, introducing Isaiah Bradley, um, a a black super soldier in the comic books, was a black Captain America at one point. That whole subplot with Falcon meeting Isaiah Bradley, learning about the what were more or less test subjects of the super soldier serum, you know, before uh, Cap got it. Um, just that whole subplot, all that dialogue, all that interaction was so, again, going back to that social commentary and the subplot, it was so fucking good. And that final scene where you see, uh, that Falcon has set up a, uh, memorial in, you know, like one of the World War II museums for Isaiah Bradley, like, bro, it just fucking got me. It just got me. It was so done, so good. It was it was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial here, but I did not like to the point of almost hated uh, Anthony Mackie's final like monologue, the one where he's Captain America. It was a little ham fisted. Oh yeah. man, it's it, it gets to be very much like we were talking about in the beginning, where we were saying that. When you're when you're talking about a okay, are you fucking kidding me? My dog is barking at me right now. I know you want to go out. No, I'm podcasting, dog. Hell, I'm podcasting. I can't. I'm fucking podcasting. Really? You're gonna do this to me right now? Really? All right. We're gonna take a brief break. He did. He, a- he actually just took a giant shit. So like, oh, was, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was just being a fucking brat. We're back. I let my dog out. I thought he was just being a brat, but he actually had to go poop. I can't believe it. Like, what a fucking brat. 
So anyway, what were we talking about? So anyway, as I was saying, so the final monologue that Anthony Mackie has when he's dressed up like Captain America and he's in the oh, midst yeah, of yeah. everything, like all the destruction and everything, and he's giving that speech to everyone, that scene felt very The Boys. Like, to me, that that felt, it felt out of place. It felt out of place for the show. It felt out of place for the, the universe. It felt It felt like they were doing... More of that, exactly as you said in the beginning of the episode, more of that ham-fisted race storyline. Yeah. Following it up with bringing Isaiah to the museum, that is the more important aspect. Yep. That is what, that, when you talk about, you know, equality, when you talk about the, the, the diversity in terms of, like, superheroes and really, like, shining a light on on those that may have you know have been taken advantage of or whatever right you like that's the more important scene the, yeah. the scene with anthony mackie like giving the monologue I, I really hated that scene i really did i didn't i didn't like it i didn't i i thought it was so i i, I thought it was so cheesy i thought it was so over the top i i almost felt it was almost like reactionary to like society today and like where society is and that's fine. It was what it was. But I'm so unbelievably happy that they followed it up with a more important aspect, which was taking Isaiah to the museum. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the scene with Isaiah in, in the museum was so much more impactful. It literally brought a tear to my eye. Yeah. Like literally brought a tear to my eye. Like when yeah. you see him and you recognize the importance of now his... His pain and suffering has now been immortalized and, and everything that he did and, and him as Captain America had been immortalized. Very similar to the Tuskegee experiment, right? right? Yeah. Where, where you, know, you know, life imitates art, imitates life, yeah. right? So, you know, very similar to things that happened in real life. Just absolutely phenomenal filmmaking, phenomenal storytelling and really shows such a finger on the pulse of like how to really get a message across in the proper way without shoving it down someone's throat in a very ham-fisted way. Yeah, I agree. The the Anthony Maggie speech at the end was I think all of the all of the substance of it was great, but like where they put it with like the you know the big action scene had just ended and they're on the streets. So of course, the news cameras were there. It felt very ham-fisted. If they, if they had just... Because again, I think the content of it and the delivery was great. It was just the placement that made it feel weird for me. If they had just cut that scene like in half and just did it... Because it dragged on for like five minutes, right? You know, like if they just cut that scene in half and made it more succinct... I think it would have been a lot more impactful. Yeah, I I agree. If he had just maybe, you know, two or three lines of dialogue and and it it would have been more impactful. I I don't like long diatribes. What I right. like is good action, right? Like like especially like I think that a lot of people today, you know, feel that a lot of people talk a good game. They talk and they talk yeah. and they talk. But there's not a lot of, of, of good, accurate, direct action that follows it up. And the action that Anthony Mackie's character took, right, that, that, that the Falcon took in 
placing Isaiah in the museum means all the difference in the world. Exactly. That is the more important. It's not what he said that was important. It was what he did that was important. Exactly. And it makes all the difference in the world. And the other problem with that scene too was that he, it was, it was very much um, one-sided. Like if that scene had been more uh, conversational, yes. where it was more back and forth, like Tarantino style, it would have been a lot better. But instead it was just him sort of like lecturing to those people, you know, like to the politicians, whatever the fuck they were, which again, like I said, everything he said was good and made sense, but it was just that, that placement and the way that he was like talking at them almost that sort of lessened the impact. But then like, again, like you said, the very next scene where you have Isaiah, the Isaiah Bradley scene that makes it all fucking worth it. And it was so, so, so good. Yeah. And, and if they hadn't done that Isaiah Bradley scene, it would have very, it would have been a huge problem. If they had just left it as that monologue where he's just now lecturing people and, and you know, and just talking and just talking yep. instead of taking an action that really means something yep. and it really makes a difference, right? Putting him in the museum, immortalizing the pain and suffering that he went through, the actions that he did, not only the pain and suffering, but like what he and his teammates at that yeah. time had done like that's what makes all that's what makes it more important that's what makes it better yep. right not someone standing up on a soapbox you know screaming at you right, right. that that's going to fall as captain america just as captain yeah. america that falls on very deaf ears and it felt america. it felt very forced it felt very it, it it felt almost like oh it was almost like it, it felt like they almost added that scene right. after the fact to like you know to fit in with things that are going on today. Right, totally. And I really did not enjoy it at all. Yeah. But the the following scene hit me like a fucking ton of bricks, man. And it, going from the fact where he shows up at his house again yep. and they're talking and there's the dialogue, the dichotomy between the two. And he's like, take a ride with me. And you have no idea. And then all of a sudden it's that reveal. Oof. Yeah. That scene blew, oh, my, that scene blew my mind. It was so great. That was, that is good storytelling right yep. there. It was so fucking good. And I think that that's, that's something that we should key on, key in on, right? Like why has nerd culture, comic book culture taken over pop culture? We are getting some of the best storytelling. And that's what you want to see when you go to a movie, when you you, yeah. you want to step outside of reality, you're going to see a movie, you want a good story told. And honestly, you know and what the I, best storytelling is right now being done in yeah. comic book movies. And you know what I think it is? I think it's really just the fact that they're making the movies. It's gotten to the point where people like you you can no longer avoid it. So like, you know, they've been they've been telling good stories like this in comic books for decades. But people always have this, you know, stigma like, oh, comic books for nerds, blah, 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 blah pictures and tights and superhero capes and blah, blah, blah. So that, that turns a lot of people off from doing it because they think or it's... Or at least it used to. Exactly, it used to, right? Yeah. But now that it's front and center and you see and all these people, like you said, are, are getting blown away by how they tell these stories and how they depict these characters. And people like you and me are sitting there going like... Uh, yeah, duh. We we've been reading this for our entire lives. Like yeah. just because it's in a in a fucking magazine with pictures and you know super skin tight costumes and like skimpy outfits for women, like doesn't mean that the story and the characters have not always been prevalent. Like they're literally just taking this stuff 
you know, again, with some exceptions, most of it is ripped right from the fucking comic books onto screen in terms of how the characters are done and the stories are being told and the drama and the action or whatever. And people are just now realizing it because it's being thrown in their faces. I'm like, good, fuck you. We've known this. <laughs> yeah, and so that's actually something that I'm, I'm hoping that they get a chance to tackle, right? Because, you know, oftentimes, especially nowadays, you, you talk about the over-sexualization of, of female characters and right. especially female superheroes. One of the best scenes in any comic book, I believe it was in, in Identity Crisis, where um, where Power Girl is sitting um, with, I forget the other character that she's sitting with, I believe it was Stargirl. Right. And she's talking to her, and Power Girl has a very, volu- she's very voluptuous, right? And she's got a, she's got a lot of cleavage. And the top of the, her right. outfit's cut off, yeah. It's just a but she on. says that the reason, there's a specific reason that she does that, it's to distract people from right. her fists. Yeah. Right? And it makes more sense, right? And yeah. like and that's an overly simplistic way to, to describe it, but that's no, essentially what it is. Black Cat right? said the same thing at one point. I forget when it was, but at some point in time, Black Cat has made the same arguments. Like, why do you wear this skin tight leather with your tits hanging out? And she's like, because it fucking distracts people. Like, yeah, you know? because <laughs> you give them the Mardi Gras special, yeah. but all of a sudden they, you know, yeah, they're, totally. they're not paying attention to where you're punching them. Yeah. Right? And I think that it is a way to sort of to 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 um to to sort of enhance not only the characters but the why like why is this over is this overly sexualized unnecessarily right if you give meaning behind it and you say yeah most men are stupid and they're gonna look at you know a, a sexy girl and they're gonna be distracted by a sexy girl a, hey, guess what? You're right. You're yeah, right. You're right. <laughs> you're, you're correct. Yeah. And and if that sexy girl can also cave in your head, she's going to be able to do that right? more easily if you're distracted by the 100%. way that she looks. Yep. Right. So it's not over sexualization, but also there's a group of people out there that are very motivated by sexual by sexuality. They're motivated by their sexual confidence. So you want to be able to have those people be ident- like they you want to have them to to identify with certain characters as well. So if you can do dialogue in that way which is very similar from a race aspect, very similar to what they did with the scene where they show, you know, Isaiah getting uh that 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 you know kind of moment in the museum, right? It's it's that really clearly defines the importance of race in the superhero genre having because i actually got to the point where when isaiah goes no black man would ever want to be captain america i thought that was the moment i thought that was the moment where we are now not going to see falcon as captain america it's 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 going to be bucky that's going to take up the mantle i because like i thought yeah he's going to agree with him and then when they turned it on its head and they went the opposite direction, they said, no, this is why someone needs to be kept. Man, absolutely brilliant. And that was one of my favorite parts. That was like the last thing I'll say about the show. One of my favorite parts about the show was how they, again, the cinematography, they teased that several times throughout the show. All of those different, especially like in the scene where they were both fighting uh, U.S. agent, right, John Walker, so many scenes where Bucky would have the shield and Cap would have the shield and Falcon would have the shield, right? And, like, scenes where, like, Bucky would look at it and 
Cap would look at it, and they would look at it like you know longingly, and there would be like all there were so many times throughout the show where they, from a just strictly from a cinematography perspective, made you guess. Oh, are they gonna? Are they hinting at Bucky? Or are they hinting at Cap? You know, or, or Falcon? Like like who are they hinting at? And then finally, you know, obviously go to to Falcon. Like that was one of my favorite parts because like you know going into it, it was a foregone conclusion for most of us. Like oh, that was gonna be Falcon. But they still made you guess. Like, okay, well, maybe they're not going to do that. Maybe he's going to, you know, decide no and it's going to be Bucky. And I would have been cool either way. I'm cool either way. But that was one of my favorite parts. It was very subtle and it happened like no less than 10 times throughout the six episodes. I loved it. And I think one of the key scenes on that note, that same exact note, was the scene that that Bucky and uh, Falcon have – where they're like practicing. Oh, the bromance yeah, montage. The, oh, the man. bromance montage dude, was great. The, the bromance, the, dude, that bromance scene was that is the buddy cop scene that we want. Yeah, dude, it was right? great. Like, it was so good where they're throwing the shield and they're essentially almost like throwing a baseball. They're playing they're, yeah. they're, they're having a game of catch. Amazing. Right? Where it's just they're having a catch. You know, they're just they're throwing the shield back and forth, hitting and even the trees. and even all those even all those times like, oh, you and your so partner, good. we're not partners. They said it like <laughs> ten times. You know, it's like, and then when they're like, are you in a staring? Are you, are you guys really doing a staring? And staring? Like, yes, like everything about the buddy cop dynamic. I can't believe I mentioned that before. I, I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was such a great. And, yeah, and that scene really blurred the line where you're like, I don't know who is going to get the shield at yep. the end of the show. And then when you see that it is Falcon that gets yeah. it. And man, it's so great. Any so bust in, who are you supposed to be? Captain America. Captain America. Fuck yourself. Yeah. That is so, so great. Which is interesting because very much like John Walker, he identified his as Captain America. Right. He did not. Because at, at that point, yeah. though, he was like, you know, like, like we said with all the Isaiah Bradley stuff, he was like, yeah. I'm fucking Captain America. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. and it was great. I it loved was, it. It was really good. And then, of course, one of my very favorite things was the final dissolve that they did at the end where yep. it was, it says Falcon Winter Soldier, Falcon dissolves, and yep. it, says it says Captain, Captain America, America yep. Winter Soldier. Yep. Right? So good. I can't wait for Just these characters so to come back. Um, all right. Awesome. So, Yes, go watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. Go finish WandaVision if yeah. you haven't yet. Watch like, it what are you time. doing? Watch it again, yeah. What, Get, what are the subtleties that you're able to pick up? What is there anything there that we didn't see or like that you noticed? Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about Wakanda becoming the new Tony Stark, we'll right? get which there. is, yeah. I think, the you we'll know, kind of there. one of the biggest things, yep. um, which I think will get really fleshed out in, in further story and further movies and episodes. But let us know what you think. Let let us know. Like, was there an, was there something in this show that spoke to you more than it spoke to to us? Right? Yep. Is there anything that we missed that we didn't talk about here today? Let us know. Yeah. So go watch it. Get hyped for Loki. Get hyped for Hawkeye. Both coming later this year. We'll be talking about all of those things. We'll be back with our next episode with the Mortal Kombat review. Listen, like, subscribe. You guys know the drill. Can, and as where, always, where can they find us? Where can oh, they Review find Podcast us? Network. Fucking, you fucking know by now. <laughs> review Podcast Network. Not only go listen to all of the podcasts. Yes, Ready that's, set review. That's what I wanted it's to point cannon out. Cannon fodder. Listen, it's talking tacos. Talking tacos. Political partying. The mix and more jackass flashback with Ming and Mike coming your way as always. And as always, stay tuned, true reviewers. I said as always twice. Whatever. Fuck yourself. <laughs>